0: Plytus, I'm bored. What plaything
1: can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as
0: the Hail Power Hour. hour. <laughs> Now, with news from around the universe, it's the Hail Ming Report with news anchor Rick Morgan. Hello, my name is Rick, and I'm here to tell the news. The Jim Henson Estate has filed a lawsuit against country singer Luke Bryan. Apparently, the Henson estate, who owns the right to the classic Muppet movies and TV shows, have filed a plagiarism complaint against Luke, saying his voice is too close to the beloved Muppet and Sesame Street character, Kermit the Frog. Luke Bryan's manager has said this is pure speculation, and it will not hold up in court. But here at Hail Ming, we report, and you decide. Here's a clip of Kermit singing.
1: Why are there so many...
0: About rainbows. Now here's Luke Bryan's voice, isolated from the music. Country girl, shake it for me, girl. Shake it for me, girl. Shake it for me. Once again, Kermit. Fusions
1: and rainbows have nothing to
0: hide. And once again, Luke Bryan.
1: Girl, you make my speakers go boom, boom. <laughs>
0: looks like we could be on to something here. In other news, legendary rock band ACDC has reported that they will tour without Brian Johnson as their lead singer. Brian has been the voice of the band for over 40 years, and this comes to a shock to fans worldwide. This decision was made due to the report that Brian had experienced massive hearing loss in the past several months while the band were planning a new world tour. At first, representation for the band claimed that these were just rumors and they would carry on as usual. But when Brian Johnson was asked for a personal response, all he kept saying was, Huh? What'd you say? Further in the interview, Brian said that this downtime is an opportunity to work on a project he has longed to do for 27 years. He wants to pay tribute to one of his favorite British rock bands, Delph Leopard. In other world news, the man who was walking around the world drowned today. Stay tuned for further reports on the Hail Ming Report. This is Rick, signing off.
2: Hello there, faithful listeners. Uh, this is Danny Bennett here of uh, Hail Ming Power Hour, and I just wanted to uh, let you know that we've got this unique opportunity. See, what we've done is we've uh, obtained a script for the Hail Ming production company and we plan to make this movie but we're just not exactly sure what genre it fits in so so we put together a couple little mock-ups we're not sure how it's going to go but it's going to be an exciting time we're going to have a good time watching it we're going to have a good time making it and hopefully you guys will have a great time enjoying it when we're done so um spring heel jack 2 yeah all we got really is a tagline and and a script that could fit a lot of different places so uh well, l- let us know what you think. All right.
1: Hail Ming. In space, one warrior fights to save mankind again. An unknown savior. Because when good has its back against the wall. And the odds are overwhelming. The galaxy needs. One man. It's time to find out what happens. When the bounce is back. With twice the Jack. Spring Heeled Jack 2. Coming to a theater near you. To save the universe. And mankind as we know it.
0: What in the world happens when you put four fresh-trained counselor boys to work at a beach volleyball camp, add a healthy libido, and of course, Spring Hill Jack. This summer, the bounce is back with twice the jack. Will they get some? Will they get dead? You will lose your shirt. It's Wacky Entertainment in Spring Hill Jack 2. Coming to a theater near you. Hello all you knuckleheads. Glad to be back. Uh, This is kind of a little special episode we're going to do here. Not really going to cover a movie, but uh, we're going to call this... Getting to know your podcasters, I guess as you can tell from the movies that we've picked so far, is uh, you know we we like a lot of different things. You hear us make references to a lot of different movies, so this is just a chance for us to kind of get to explain ourselves. I guess again, like I said, Danny and I just enjoy just getting to hang out and talk.
2: Yeah, this is a, an opportunity for us to introduce ourselves and and kind of talk for a minute about the influences that uh, affect our opinions on the movies that we choose and the kind of conversations that we have and we spent several years working together and and it was great to be able to go to work every day and, and hang out with your best friend while you do some really crappy stuff in a really hot warehouse.
0: It was re- um, really odd about us too, is we're pretty much complete opposites in, in a lot of things. So that's what to me has always made the friendship really strong. It was because we kind of learn things from each other. Well, actually I learned from him. I don't think he learned anything from me, but, uh, you know it's just uh it's neat to see things from another perspective and uh i don't know i think it really made us kind of open our eyes and see things from different perspectives and the things we always agreed on are these movies and uh like danny was saying where we worked together was kind of a distribution area and uh it was kind of the dream job at the time for us because we carried magazines and we carried movies now when i say movies i don't mean ones that you would want to watch
2: <laughs> yeah, they were tri mark movies is that what distribution that, there were there well were...
0: that's that was part of them for sure D- does the uh, does the name beastmaster 2 mean anything to you cuz that would be one that people wanted to watch and that joker was bad it was like duty on the street it just sat there and stank
2: yeah it was like a base master 2 through the portal of time. Yeah. And.
0: Again, just two buddies getting to hang out and do this for fun. We've been through all kinds of things together, making little short you know, short films for buddies in college and stuff like that in film school and getting to do some movies and things like that and uh, every day at work, we had an hour for lunch and I lived like 3 minutes away from where we worked so we would grab a handful of these crappy movies off this shelf and just go watch them. We watched a lot of bad stuff, folks, let me tell you.
2: <laughs> yeah, they were they were terrible. And the best thing about it was the company. You know, the, we can enjoy a movie that's particularly bad. So you imagine some of our favorite movies, you know, we can really enjoy this and talking about them and and trying to bring somebody else into the fold. But I ultimately I think both Rick and I like to perform. And so that's why it's so important that we make a connection with you because if we don't have an audience, it's hard to perform. Yeah,
0: it's and hard, hard to stroke your own ego.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it's not hard, but it's not nearly as rewarding.
0: Right, right.
2: I mean, but that—that's just it. That's why we continue to ask for input, and we hope very much that people listen and uh, and take something away from it. And if they have ideas that you know they they'd like to hear what we have to say, then that's music to our ears.
0: What we're going to do now is just kind of go through, uh, just some of our favorite stuff, man. What makes us tick. And, uh, I've actually, and this kind of shows you the difference. I made a top 10 list of movies that I can't live without. And, uh, Danny did not. <laughs> he says that's, that's yeah, I have a hard
2: time categorizing like that.
0: Yeah. And it, it is hard to do. I mean, cause I know there's stuff on here that I have to do like honorable mentions on stuff. So, but, uh, I think you'll kind of see the trend of where these movies are, and, and you'll see the the time frame of when they came out. So as far as my list, a movie that I put at top ten, and uh, anybody that, that <laughs> was around when this movie came out, it, it was just a blast, man. Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the Tim Burton classic.
2: Oh, yeah, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, yeah, Like you said, Tim Burton directed it before Tim Burton was a thing, but Pee-wee Herman sure was. Right. And they wanted to make sure that you got as much as you could on screen.
0: So the movie's just great. Hate the sequel, but this one was fantastic. Where else are you going to see Santa Claus, Godzilla, Pee-wee Herman, and Twisted Sister all in the same scenes together? That's that's movie magic, folks.
2: It is. It Other than in my backyard, you cannot see all four of those things in the same place at the same time.
0: And that's not even Christmas time. That's just the way it is at his house all the time.
2: It's just when Dee comes over. The other ones are already there but Uncle D. D has to come and go. <laughs> All right, so I decided that I would I would put down my favorite just my favorite thing and that's uh The Short Story the Most Dangerous Game by Richard Connell.
0: Yeah.
2: It's a uh, it's affected me ever since I've been watching movies and, and I was introduced to it in school. It's the the story of a of a hunter who ends up on an island where a guy hunts people. And just the, just the title of it, The Most Dangerous Game, right. it's a double meaning. It's not just the game of of hunting this man. It's also that man is the most dangerous game of all. That's why this hunter does it. And uh, it's something that I've always loved the concept of.
0: Just like the Ask, Ask T movie, right?
2: Just like, Yeah, like uh, Surviving the Game. Right. Yo, Cole, your mom was up there. Yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> Which also explains probably why you're such a Craven fan as far as the Marvel universe.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Craven the Hunter is pretty awesome. And, you know, anybody who's, who's read um, the, uh, the Spider Man comic with Cra- Craven's Last Hunt as a, a great graphic novel. I, I'm also a comic book fan. You know, not entirely. I don't believe that anybody can be the kind of fan that they used to be. There's just too much right. universe now.
0: Yeah, it's expanded so much, it's ridiculous. We we just went to Comic-Con this last year, and it was ridiculous how much stuff was there.
2: And actually, this reminds me, I, I told Rick earlier today that I had come up with a why moment, you know, the, the, the whole why section, and, and I was going to say, why? Why invent the word canon? Because it doesn't matter if you're going to retell the story, if you're going to say something's canon, and then you're just going to destroy canon later down the road. Because the whole idea of it being an unshakable truth of the mythos, well, if you're just going to change it, and there's no such thing, and if the word has no meaning, why even have it?
0: I feel a little bit more like I do right now than I did a while ago.
2: What? (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, what's what's your next movie?
0: Bad News Bears, man. I love the original Bad News Bears. Uh, it's, It's actually... There's three movies that I remember being my first movie experience. I don't know which one was really first, but it was either the Robin Hood, the the Walt Disney Robin Hood. Ooh, that's a good one. Bruce Lee, Enter the Dragon, Mm. and Bad News Bears. You know, I remember the Disney one because it was a cartoon. It was Robin Hood. I dug it. Didn't get much of the story because I was a little kid. Enter the Dragon, I didn't know what was going on. All I knew was I was watching Bruce Lee kick some butt. Bad News Bears is where I actually kind of understood what was going on, because you're listening to kids talk. So uh, it's just a movie I grew up with. I, I still love it. I just really enjoy it. It's a classic movie. A lot of racial slurs in it you can't get by, get by with now. But, uh, you know, that was the 70s. You
2: got, you got Walter Matthau in that, right?
0: Can't go wrong with Walter.
2: Jackie O'Haley? Yeah. Little hey. Freddy Krueger. Hey. Yeah, he became Freddy Krueger. He was uh, he was Rorschach, you know.
0: Yeah, that's right.
2: Awesome stuff.
0: What you got?
2: All right, the next thing on my list is Sam Raimi. Heck yeah! And and I'm gonna level with everybody. I'm a huge fan of Sam Raimi, but I haven't seen all his movies. I've seen a lot of them, and I enjoy the ones that I have seen. I I think uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. If you haven't seen it, you just just watch it. The guy makes a great movie.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: And it falls in line with what we like. You know, lots of Humor interspersed with the story, it doesn't take itself too seriously, it's good
0: stuff. Quick and the Dead.
2: Quick and the Dead.
0: I mean, come on. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, Evil Dead, we're, we're die-hard fans, that's what started the relationship with Sam Raimi, but come on, Quick and the Dead is just awesome.
2: There's a click before the strike.
0: <laughs> All right, my number eight movie. This is stuff we've already kind of gone through, but Flash Gordon's up there, man. It's in my top ten. It's number eight. I love it. I watch it all the time. Music, the marriage of image and music together just works for me. So we don't have to elaborate on that one. It's Flash Gordon.
2: Yeah, movie's incredible. And, you know, I, I have find myself defending it regularly of people who roll their eyes at me when I mention it. But you know what? If if you take it as just, just a, the spectacle that it is, you know the story mixed with, like you said, the music mixed with the the visuals. There's nothing like it.
0: Well, even the movie Ted. You know they pretty much the whole movie is a is an homage to Flash Gordon.
2: Yeah, that guy. Yeah. You you can't make me like that guy, and I'm not gonna watch Ted.
0: Yeah. Well, it's all about Flash Gordon. The whole movie. Sam I, Jones. Sam Jones is in it.
2: Yeah. So what? <laughs>
0: All right, what you got?
2: All right. Nightbreed. Oh yeah. Nightbreed, you know, it speaks to the teenage me, you know, who felt outcast, who Midian is a is a is a stone yard. It's a it's not a graveyard. It's nope. it's a a bunch of monuments and statues and underneath it these uh misunderstood eons old Creatures who follow some kind of a Kabbalic religion, and uh, it's a fan. And David Cronenberg's in it, yeah, as a serial killer.
0: Man, yeah, Decker is one of the scariest f- figures to to ever be in a movie. Period.
2: So, so you think about you know brutality or, 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 or a frightening nature for a killer. Here's the thing that always struck me about Decker. There's a part where somebody comes into a a room where Decker has killed everyone in the room. And one of the guys was building a, a uh, building a, a house of cards, and the house of cards is still standing until they shut the door. He killed everyone in the room; they're all gory and bloody, yeah. without disturbing the deck of cards, without disturbing the house of cards. But a, a gush of wind from the uh, from the door knocks it all down. Yeah. That's how frightening Decker is as a killer.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's that movie to me is way high on my horror list it's just an incredible movie never seen a movie show from the monster's point of view of storytelling uh it's a great movie
2: yeah i I can't come up with another one that's like it It, it's it's got a lot more mythology than it has you know horror really
0: clive barker just struck gold on that one man it's just great
2: it's surprising how few people have seen it too
0: yeah Cause you know they now they've got the directors cut out. I don't know if you've seen it or not.
2: I haven't actually. I
0: okay. I've got it. We'll have to check it out. It's 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 different. It's really different. So okay, my next one. No big surprise. Big Trouble in Little China. Might as well just go on. We know that it's awesome sauce. So
2: yeah, and you know, as we put it up against the Golden Child in our previous podcast, you know, the Golden Child. Very similar movie doesn't hold up as well. Really doesn't. It you know, the Big Trouble in Little China could almost have happened this year. You know, there's just that much timelessness to it. You know, it's not really '80s exclusively. All right, so the the next thing on my list has got to be, uh, and I just went ahead and put these two together: Tales from the Dark Side and Monsters.
0: Sure, you
2: know, two TV shows. They were installment shows like uh, like The Twilight Zone. Some of them were from the monsters' perspective. Some of them didn't end so well. All of them were cheap. They were obviously made, especially monsters. Was made, you know, week to week. You could tell they had no budget. Fantastic stories. Yep, they're so much fun.
0: Yep, both great series. I just recently went back and revisited uh, Ta- uh, Tales from the Crypt and actually watched all of those. And surprisingly, a lot of those are really good.
2: Maybe I only remember the bad ones.
0: I mean, some but, of them really surprised me. Now, the last season, something really went wrong. So I, I, I think don't, they,
2: they got too many stars in yeah. there. You know, that everybody went, oh, I want to do this story. Was it Joe Pesci gets cut in half in one of them? And,
0: yeah, that wasn't bad. But there's, I there's mean, a, the whole last season, though, was, I want to say they were all shot in Britain or somewhere. And, and it just totally lost something. It just didn't feel right. But, uh, I don't know. I actually enjoyed a lot of them. I haven't haven't seen them in a long time. So, some of them really still hold up well. Tales of the Dark Side, classic. Monsters, classic. I love them both. So, next on my list, Superman 2. Either version. I love the original cut. Saw it in the theater back in the day. And, uh, you'll understand why I like Superman 2 so much in a little bit. But, uh, If you have not seen the Donner cut, in case you didn't know, Superman 1 and Superman 2 were being shot simultaneous. So Donner had shot most of the footage for Superman 2, and then he was fired after the release of the first movie. So they brought in another director, and they added all this extra footage that was not intended to be in there, so... Donner has gone back in the past few years and made his version. going back and taken what footage he could find to piece together the original version of what he had, and it's quite entertaining. Uh, some updated effects on some stuff. It, I don't know. I think it's very well done. The uh, the whole ending sequence of the world spinning backwards that's in the first movie was supposed to be in the second movie, and uh, for some reason they used it in the first. But uh, I don't know. Superman two fighting General Zod is just pure entertainment. It's awesome.
2: Superman two was was the introduction of the super villain, because right? you, you had Gene Hackman. You had uh, Lex Luthor in the first one, but he was just a a smart person, not not like uh, General Zod, Non, and and uh, yeah, and the the third cohort. There what was her name, I uh, Barbara, Barbara Bush. Hey, man. but yeah i mean you have the introduction of the super villain they're bad just to be bad yeah and that's good Here, here's something i've got on my, my list uh, it, it, it's bound to factor into a top 10 list somewhere of mine robocop 2 heck yeah Robo- now robocop 1 is good it's a classic Vessel Polidorius made the the music for it which also you know rolls over into robocop 2 robocop 2 was written by frank miller who who did the um you know the the Batman rejuvenation when he did a
0: yeah
2: when he dark brought Network. Batman back you know in his fifties and, and and made that whole dark scenario and, and did Sin, Sin City, City and, and he he's just got a singular vision
0: yeah
2: RoboCop two is brutal and it's awesome and anybody who doesn't give it credit now RoboCop three no but Ooh. RoboCop two is worth a watch
0: who was the director.
2: I don't, I don't know, right off the top, of man.
0: Yeah, man, guy did the uh, Empire Strikes Back.
2: Irvin Kershner. Yeah, I did know that. I did know that. Yeah. I didn't think of it. That. Irvin Kershner is the director.
0: The only guy that should be allowed to do sequels.
2: Yeah, well, and he's got a dark view of things that work really well with Frank Miller, and you know it's got a whole comic book feel to it, which is what's worse for RoboCop, to be sure.
0: Yep. And we will be covering both of those movies in this show, somewhere down the line. They can't go unspoken about. Uh, next on my list, I'm a Rocky fan, man. The Rocky series. Everything but the fifth one. <laughs> but I do. I just uh, I love the underdog story. It's pretty cliche. You can't go wrong with the Rocky movies, man. Every Thanksgiving, I think they show them all on TV and I'm stuck there eating a big piece of turkey watching Rocky again, you know. Uh, I've got them all on Blu-ray. Watched them a 100 times. And uh my daughter claims that Rocky 4 is the greatest movie ever made. So, enough said.
2: Go Sierra. Rocky 4. Yeah. Way to pick the best one. I agree. I agree. Um
0: you talk about montages now.
2: <laughs> that that he's running up the mountain.
0: There's no easy way out.
2: <laughs> that was some of your best work uh, on the music for that montage too, by the way
0: hearts of fire.
2: Okay, so I'm going to step away from movies for just another second, and I'm going to have to give this whole thing several caveats. I'm going to say WWF wrestling from the 80s. Wow. And what I'm going to say is I can't tell you trivia about it or all the wrestlers in it, but I grew up with it, and they had a cartoon show on Saturday morning, and I watched it, And I know some of the main players, like Hillbilly Jim and Roddy Piper, who I had the opportunity to meet.
0: Yeah, super cool.
2: And that's all I need. I don't need to know the fifth guy that wrestled the Ultimate Warrior before he wore his makeup, and I don't care. (laughs) What I care about is that when the WWF was mainstream, it was a lot of fun, and I liked it.
0: Sure. I was uh, just a little old for that, so that's where our age different kind of kicks in, because... I had just sure. gotten out of wrestling at that point. Uh, to me, when they started making the cartoon, I was done. So, but you know, I was.
2: Oh yeah, I was five years younger. The cartoons were right. probably a bigger draw for me,
0: right? And I remember them as plain as day. So I can I can see why that was the influence. So, uh, next on my list, no big surprise: Star Wars four, five, and six. Uh, what can you say? It's Star Wars. You like them so
2: much they occupy a single space.
0: Right. You can't have one without the other. Four, five, and six. Uh, Yeah. You know.
2: People give Jedi a lot of plaque, but um, Return of the Jedi is a tight movie, and it's got a lot of fun stuff in it.
0: It's my least favorite of the three.
2: Um, I I might have to say it's one of my favorites. I mean,
0: as far as the fight scenes, it's got the best fight scenes in it, mm, hands mm. down. If you
2: took Yoda out of the second one, then I think that the Jedi would win hands down for me. But um, Yoda really makes Empire Strikes Back. I I love Yoda and his whole section on Yep, It shaped my childhood.
0: Sure. But uh, I don't know. I I think Return of the Jedi, and again, because it's an age thing, that's about the point where I saw the previews and it was like, man, it's just a bunch of puppets. And I think it kind of hurt my opinion of what Star Wars was. So it just seemed more puppety than normal. So I kind of passed on it when it first came out, but in hindsight, going back and watching it, it's great. I mean, four or five and six are just where it's at.
1: So. I,
2: I see where you're going with it. And and there's definitely a point I was thinking the other day about how it's always bothered me that, you know, uh, princess Leia as Bosch goes in and, and rescues, uh, Han Solo. Oh, yeah. and it's like she, she waits for all the bad guys to be asleep in Java's palace. Yeah. And it's like, if it was half a decent hive of scum and villainy, they'd stay up all night. Right. But, you know, it was four kids and it was like, well, how does she get her out? Well, they wait for everybody to be asleep. <laughs> and then when they're asleep, she gets it. It's like,
0: yeah.
2: okay. Yeah. It's made for kids. They don't try too hard to make it make sense.
0: I think that was the problem too is Chris. Yeah. And I was seven when the first one came out and, I, and by the time empire came back, it seemed like it had kind of grown up with me. Then, when you get past that, it seemed like it got younger for kids, and I'd grown up a little older. So, yeah, it seemed like it was more kiddie. But hey, I'm not complaining. I'll watch it any time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was your choice. You're right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in with the next thing on my list, Dread 3D.
0: Wow. You know what? I really enjoyed it too.
2: So Dread 3D, it's a tight movie. I mean, it all takes place in a in a smaller area. The, the acting's really good. The action's fantastic. Um, there are just some moments in it where I love the direction it goes.
0: I was really blown away by it.
2: It's right up here with RoboCop, too, as far as just a, a brutal, dark dystopia with, with, a, with a great hero.
0: And it may have helped that I went into it not expecting much. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, let's face it, the the other movie is just not that great. It's got its moments. But this thing just come out and just hits you over the head with a sledgehammer, man. It's it's awesome.
2: Yeah. There's a reason why it's not Dread too.
0: Yeah. So, that's a good one. Alright, we're getting to my top three movies of all time. Number three, Jaws. Absolutely love Jaws. I have bought every version of this movie that has come out. I even really like Jaws, too, but the first one is just movie magic for me. Uh, You could leave the shark out of it, and I would still love this movie. I think the acting between those three characters is just incredible. Uh, It's just great, great filmmaking. And the fact that Everything was a a disaster while making this movie, and it turned out to be the movie that it is. To this day, I don't go out far in the ocean just because of this movie. That's the impact this thing had for my age group. You don't pick up hitchhikers because of Texas Chainsaw, and you don't go out in the ocean because of Jaws. That's my age group.
2: Uh, I've only ever heard a couple of people say that a movie is better than a book. And yeah. uh, I think at least twice I've heard people say that Jaws, the movie, is better than Peter Benchley's novel.
0: Yeah, I've, I've recently gone back and revisited the book, actually, audiobook. book. And, uh, you know, uh, characters are quite a bit different. You get a few more death scenes in the book, but the movie is just incredible. I, mean, I, I think it's just, it's a masterpiece. And... Just fear in general. There's one scene in particular. People talk about, you know, the popular scenes all the time. Of course, him jumping up on the boat and eating Quint and all that stuff. The scene that gets me is the guy that's in the little dinghy boat. He's out there by the kids. And the shark tips his boat over. And then you get an overhead shot, like a crane kind of shot. And you see the shark coming sideways at this guy's legs. It's the first time you see the scope of this thing, but it's underwater. It is the most terrifying thing to me I've ever seen in a movie, because for that split second, it looks so realistic. Of course, that's the scene where it bites him, and the leg floats down. You see the leg at the bottom of the water. That scene to me is just absolutely incredible. And uh, but again, you know, you could see you could leave the shark out and just the acting between the three main characters. I just I just love the movie, everything about it so go. where do you
2: stand on the subliminal uh frame when where the guys underwater and he's yep. and he's scuba diving do you think there really is one frame with with the shark
0: i don't know i i have i've never really seen it i know that they went back and did that as a pickup shot in his swimming pool because he thought he could get one more scare out of the crowd but uh as far as the scene i've i've never seen anything really break it down and show where that scene is but
2: yeah, I heard about it. I didn't know if you yeah. had. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's true or if it's just a rumor.
0: Seems. I'm like sure somebody
2: Google. listening will will Google it and know more than we do right yeah. now.
0: Yeah, let us know on the Facebook page if you find out there is an actual shot there. I want shot.
2: to keep the mystery, so let him know, but don't tell me.
0: <laughs> okay, that's me. What you got? All right, so
2: um, I've got the movie uh, Gross Point Blank. <laughs> Yeah, Gross you know- Point Blank's a you know it's a John Cusack film. Uh, he plays a hitman who's going back for his ten-year high school reunion, and uh, it's got Minnie Driver in it. Uh, Jane Cusack or Joan Cusack plays his uh, his sister. Well, no, Joan Cusack is his sister. She plays his receptionist. Right. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's in it. Uh, it it's a great movie, and and it's a uh, it's action packed, but it's really just kind of like a. It's got, I don't know if you want to call it a rom-com, but there's a romance involved, and there's comedy involved, and then there's killing involved, and
0: let's just say it's '90s. It's got that yeah. '90s feel to it, where it, it, it's it's just a mixed bag of emotions, but is an excellent movie.
2: Well, and you can tell that John Cusack really likes it. Yeah. And when John Cusack really likes something, he he really brings something to it that uh, that he doesn't all the time, and um, yeah that.
0: you can can feel his energy safe to say that you and i are both john kuzak fans of pretty much anything he's done so
2: and there are two uh there are two uh cia or there's fbi agents who are on his trail in that kind of remind me of of you and me that (laughs) did what hank is one of them (laughs) then the guy from uh, from once bitten the the black guy from once bitten yeah and they're both sitting in the car and you know. You know, I met him, at I think, why do you always have to have met somebody? It's just the, the two of them. They're they're great in that, and just a bit part, but they're both awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's a great Gross movie. That's one we yeah. experienced back in our work days, for sure. We watched that one a few times. So, All right, next for me. Oh, man, I love this movie. Phantom of the Paradise. This movie is huge to me. Never grow tired of it. It hits all of my buttons. Uh, I hate musicals, and I'm a musical guy, but I hate musicals. I, I just I can't, I can't handle it for some reason. I don't like people just breaking out in a song for, for no reason. But the thing about this movie is it's all for a reason. When it's time to perform a song, they're performing a song. It's basically the story of Faust, Phantom of the Opera, all mixed into one 70s movie with Paul Williams writing the music. You've got Brian De Palma directing. Uh, man, it's just 70s gold. Everything about it. I know this movie inside and out. On the soundtrack. Wore the soundtrack out. Absolutely love this movie. It's just Beef. great. Beef? Beef, yeah. Well, he's going to be at... Uh, Garrett Graham's going to be at... Texas Frightmare. We go to Texas Frightmare every year. And uh, so for the first time, I get to meet Beef from uh, Found in the Paradise, and I'm super stoked about that, man. This, yeah,
2: that's, that's going to be fun.
0: This could be my favorite movie of all time. This is a real toss up. But I just. Nice. Everything about this movie, man. I, I'm, I'm a 70s kid at heart. The music is right up my alley. The things they make fun of is exactly what I think about things. The performances are great. You got a group that's pre kiss on here that's kinda got the kiss makeup thing going on. It's just funny. Uh scary. It's everything rolled into one. I just I love it. Case closed.
2: <laughs> Case closed. Hear that internet? Don't try and convince him of something else because yeah. it's fan of the paradise or nothing.
0: And it's kinda like your your love for Sam Raimi. I kinda have that for early de Palma. His first yeah. You know,
2: first. you introduced me to a lot of his stuff, and and I agree he's he's a really good director, and I really have enjoyed what you've shown me. Yeah, so
0: yeah, fan of the paradise, check it out.
2: Okay, so I, I got very similar to fan of the paradise. Actually, I have a Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. <laughs> <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth. All right, part wait six. a minute.
0: Let's think about this. So
2: let's not think. <laughs> don't think.
0: No, you and I are I doing we're doing our list, and early on <laughs> we told the fans that I was the horror fan and you were not the horror fan, and you've had way more horror movies <laughs> in your list than I have, <laughs> but you know what Just... Friday thirteenth part six absolutely awesome
2: Friday thirteenth part six I wouldn't even call it a horror movie it okay, so you look at all the movies now that are taking the horror genre and flipping it on itself and making it into kind of a comedy, Friday the 13th Part 6 was way ahead of all that. Yep. It was like, you know what? We're not going to bother to try and make it into a joke. We're just going to take this to the extreme. Yep. I mean, you got, what, you know, the up until then, Part 3 was in 3D. It's kind of like Part 6. Part 4, they decided to do some new beginning thing. No, 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 part no. Part no, 5 no, no. is like, you no, no, don't no, know no. where we are. What? No,
0: no, no. Part 4 is where they actually kill off Jason. That's actually a really good episode.
2: Well, I mean, they're all they're all pretty decent part five until you is get to like, like eight. Eight driver. is terrible. Eight is, yeah, terrible. And terrible. seven is kind of fun because it's got that telekinetic check.
0: Seven is, I, I, seven might be my favorite. Seven's pretty good, it's just, but but it's six, so ridiculous.
2: But six is yeah, six does not take it so. It's kind of like the Sam Raimi thing where it's like, I'm gonna do this and I'm just gonna not the, take it too seriously and have over fun. the top. Yeah. So, so Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. If yeah. you haven't seen it, watch it. Yeah, and you can thank me later.
0: Yeah, it's just fun. I mean, the whole bending the sheriff over backwards—that scene's just oh yeah, awesome.
2: Is the the sleeping bags in that one too? Right, <laughs> yeah. <Where are> you...
0: <laughs> the sleeping bag. Then you got the paintball guys.
2: The paintball guys. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh yeah. That's awesome. Good one, man. You really caught me off guard with that one. Okay. Well, you know,
2: I can't come up with a list of my favorites. I just can't. But I can't come up with a list of, of good ones.
0: You might as well throw Pumpkinhead in there while you're at it. Oh,
2: Pumpkinhead.
0: Yeah. Rawhead Rex. Yeah.
2: I can't go Rawhead Rex, but Pumpkinhead. Yeah.
0: Pumpkinhead Rawhead
2: Rex is, is, is Rawhead Rex.
0: Yeah. Anytime you urinate on a priest, you know, you're winning.
2: You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Any time you urinate on a priest, you're winning.
0: (laughs) My number one movie of all time. Surprise, surprise. Superman the movie. And what's weird is I'm not even a Superman fan. I don't read the comics. Uh, My dad grew up watching the old TV show. It's just a movie where everything works for me. The cinematography, the music, John Williams, Christopher Reeve is Superman. Mic drop. He's Superman. The point ever since then of finding another Superman is finding somebody that looks like or acts like Christopher Reeve. That should tell you something. This movie works for me on every level. It's just, to me, it's the perfect movie. Uh, Yeah, yeah, some of the effects are dated because, well, they were brand new effects at the time. They, you know, very innovative movie. Uh, I recommend watching the documentaries on the making of that movie because it's pretty ingenious, some of the things they come up with. so.
2: Yeah, In a big way, uh, being a comic book fan is a good reason not to be a comic book movie fan because you know you end up kind of developing an expectation over six hundred comic books and twelve storylines and whatever, yeah. and then they're trying to collapse it all into one movie and they might cherry pick your favorite stuff and you say, well, that's not how it happened. That's how I've fallen into uh, a dislike for comic book movies and. I'm starting to enjoy them now because I have no idea what's going on in the comics. So I don't say, oh, that's not how that happened. I don't know. And I don't want to know because it ruins it.
0: Right. Um, I'm with you.
2: So yeah, Superman 1, it's it's better than the sum of its parts because it stands alone.
0: Yeah. yeah, It is the iconic superhero movie. Every movie since then has been measured to the first Superman movie.
2: Okay, so I've got um, Real Genius. Of course a real genius. You know, you got Val Kilmer, you got that guy that plays the, uh, the werewolf in uh, in monster squad yeah. who also played, uh, what, um, uncle Rico and, uh, Napoleon dynamite. Yeah. He, he's in it as a genius. That's been holed up. You know, you've, you've got the, the guy who gets punched in the face in the Die Hard movies as uh <laughs> as somebody that gets punched in the face here. If he doesn't get punched in the face, it's okay. He hates popcorn. His, his house gets filled with it. It's, Real Genius is yeah. a movie that epitomizes the 80s.
0: It really does. It's a, it's you've a,
2: got your eclectic geniuses and your, and your bad guy who gets mud on his face and goes, Aah! you know, you, you've got uh, lots of chicks in bikinis in a, in a part of the movie for no reason.
0: Yep. Um, That's the 80s.
2: And, you know, it, it's, got a, it's got a poignancy where, where they, they're so driven to figure this thing out that only somebody from outside can realize that they've just made a weapon. And then, of course, you know, being you know peaceniks like they are, they they decide they find a way to to deep six the weapon they created, you know, a la the Manhattan Project. You know, it's a again, it's the eighties.
0: It's good stuff. It's great. Yeah, I love it too. All right, here's something a little off the track. The two Bruce's. I live my life based off the two Bruce's, that being Bruce Lee and Bruce Campbell.
2: Bruce. Campbell. That's right. They call me Bruce. A great movie. A <laughs> fun thing about that movie, it was brought to Bruce Campbell, and uh and he actually bankrolled and came up with land to film it on. So um, he he's he's there for his fans when they put him in his movie. Right. Yeah, they made a movie with his name in it, and he he kept it going. You know, there that's was- not surprising. <laughs>
0: So yeah, those are just two big influences of mine. Uh, I love anything. Both of those Bruces are in pretty much. Bruce Campbell maybe not so much. He's made some clunkers, but he's Bruce Campbell. You know, Brisco County Jr. What else do you want?
2: Yeah, the what the man with the screaming brain was pretty bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Some of those sci-fi network things that he did were not great. But
2: well, it's and it, Bruce. At the beginning of They Call Me Bruce, he kinda pokes fun at that too. Yeah. You know, he's in like Cave Aliens Four or whatever. <laughs>
0: all right, what you got?
2: Good ones, Bruce and Bruce. I like it.
0: Yeah.
2: Um All right, I put on Cindy Lopper. Of course. I'm a huge fan of Cindy Lopper. I'm and I was a big fan of her because she was so eighties. But as she's gotten older, I mean I came to realize I listened to an interview with her um on NPR and first of all I could just listen to her talk all day. But on top of that, and she's got a tremendous voice. I mean she's an activist. Uh she just seems like she'd be a lot of fun to hang out with. Cindy Lopper. Gotta right. put it in there. Big fan.
0: Right. Well, we're gonna do the music thing. Queen's the big one for me. I mean, again, what can you say? It's Queen, possibly the greatest band to ever walk the planet. Uh, Agreed. If you only know the two or three songs that they play on the radio, then you really missed what Queen is about. I really, really dig the first two or three albums, man, all the way up to uh, A Day at the Races. Man, you know, Queen 2 is just astonishing, and it's one that never anybody talks about. Sheer heart attacks, a great album Well come on, they didn't make a bad album, but uh, their seventies and early eighties stuff can't be beat. It's iconic. We will hear these songs the rest of our lives at sporting events what have you they they just they don't die, they just keep going. That's Queen, folks
2: I one hundred percent agree uh, Queen is iconic. I don't have the, the the knowledge of them that Rick has, but you know, there's there's no denying that there's an extraordinary amount of talent in one place.
0: Yep, too much for one band.
2: Hey, so Rick, yeah, uh, Three Stooges or Marks Brothers?
0: Uh, my my youthful self says Three Stooges, but overall, Marx Brothers.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm Marx Brothers. I've never been a Stooges fan.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, Stooges are funny because really that's where our Bruce Campbell humor comes from. The Sam Raimi yeah. stuff is total three Stooges. But man, the you go back. Stamp. You go back and watch you know, the Marx Brothers stuff, man. So ahead of its time. So racy. The things that and, Groucho said back then and, is just unbelievable.
2: Yeah, Groucho is 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 really mouthy, and and from what I understand, he was he was an awful person.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was not a I, nice guy.
2: I think his uh, his daughter has come out and said, you know, I I, I know I saw a, a an old film of him and his daughter, and they were singing uh, "Anything You Can Do," and uh, you know, singing uh, "I Can Do Better."
1: Yeah,
2: and you could tell he was just trying to get her in the limelight with his you know star power, and you could tell she hated it. Yeah. At least I, I thought I, I got that. Maybe she didn't. It really looked like it to me.
0: All those guys, super talented too, could pretty much just burn any instrument alive, and because uh, that's the old vaudeville lifestyle. Style. Yeah. You know, you yeah. had to be able to deliver all those abilities: be able to act, be able to be funny, dance, sing. You had to be the total package.
2: Yeah, just like me and Rick, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You watch me bust a move.
2: Sing write novels. Raise parakeets.
0: Alright, I got I got a good one for you. What you got? Firefly.
2: Firefly? Yeah. It took me a while to get on board with it.
0: Love but, it. Uh, Love the series. Gone but not forgotten. It, it, was, it was killed before it should have been killed. Killed in its prime.
2: I think the problem I had with it was I, I was excited about it when it did its Fox run and I've come to find out that they played the they played one of the later episodes first because yeah. they they decided the first episode didn't have enough action in it, so it didn't make any sense. Right. And I usually can roll with something, but when it's the first episode and it seems like it's going to have some explanation and it has none, I kind of figure I might have missed something and and I think it put me on the back foot. But in that first episode they aired when he when the guy's in the middle of the villain speech and he kicks him into the yeah. jet engine? Yeah. I was like, you know, there's something here that that isn't anywhere else. And I did have an appreciation for it, even if I didn't pursue it.
0: Yeah. I just just recently fell in love with it just a few years ago. And uh, I didn't catch it when it originally came out. Uh, Just happened to come across a set of the DVDs of it and just instantly fell for it. And I couldn't believe how quickly it was over. You know, I'm just getting into the characters and it stops, you know. Uh, yeah,
2: it's got style.
0: It's a great, great series. And, uh, of course, Joss Whedon, you know, doing all the Avengers stuff and all that. This is him cutting his teeth on here. So it's great stuff. Good. Uh,
2: well, I mean, I think it's arguable that he cut his teeth on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer Well, sure,
0: stuff. sure, yeah.
2: And he wrote two comic books, too, which are a lot like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. yeah. I, I know that's that's not your wheelhouse. They weren't really notable. One of them was called Frey. Anyway, yeah. But Joss Whedon. Yeah. I couldn't put him in this list, though. He doesn't really epitomize the stuff that brings me to the table. I like sure. his stuff, but um, I, I, he's not Sam Raimi.
0: No, no. I'm
2: just trying to generate hate mail now. You know.
0: <laughs> Joss Whedon, what a heck. Uh, what you got? Anything? Um,
2: Amazon Women on the Moon?
0: Sure. Also known as Kentucky Fried Movie Part 2.
2: Yeah, Kentucky Fried movie was funny, but I didn't catch it, you know, when it first came out. And I did catch Amazon Women on the Moon. You weren't alive when it first first. came out, so (laughs) What's that?
0: You weren't alive when it first came out. When did it come out? Seventy four.
2: Okay, so I was just barely alive. Okay. Oh well I was alive that December, so probably not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You missed it. I missed it. (laughs) Yeah, Amazon Women on the Moon. Recently went back and watched that. It's it's fun, man. Even now, it's eighties to the max, though. <laughs> Dave
2: and Alan Greer, man, as Don No Soul Simmons, <laughs> the man who took a personal affliction and made it into a a, a talent or whatever they call it. it. It's good stuff. And it wasn't Zucker Brothers, no. Whereas um, uh, Kentucky Fried Movie was right,
0: right. But yeah. it was uh, it was billed to be called Kentucky Fried Movie Part Two and. Something happened where I think either the Zucker brothers or somebody said nope can't do that. So it kind of stopped it from uh, going down that path, I believe. Something to that degree. I'm a I'm a Kentucky Fried movie fan. That's you know one oh, yeah. of the funniest things. I think for
2: me. they're both funny. I, yeah. I just you know like I said I missed the boat on it initially through yeah and Kentucky Fried movie for me it, it's it's a lot like the uh, Monty Python compilation movies like oh yeah and not for something completely different yeah it it's just as funny and Monty Python. Have oh. we talked about Monty Python?
0: Yeah, we're doing it right now. It's awesome. Yep. Yep. They, pretty much anything they did, fantastic.
2: Yeah, I mean Terry Gilliam movies as an extension, or you know, maybe Monty Python's an extension of his.
0: Yeah, but it's that really, whole hard to tell com- really. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that whole comedy troupe. Yep. Yeah, you know, the flying circus stuff, it's hilarious.
0: Takes you a while to get used to the humor, because it is really different. But uh it's just classic. Okay. Um, what about... I've got Battlestar Galactica on here. And Ooh. Both both series. I like the original, but I really liked the newer one.
2: You know, I, I remember the, the original from growing up, but the same way I, I, I remember Land of the Lost. Um, just kind of yeah. strange snippets that never put together. Um, and m- much like Firefly, I, I tried... Battlestar Galactica and wasn't hooked on the first episode. Yeah. And I think I instead pursued Farscape. Huge fan of Farscape. But um, the the Battlestar Galactica show, I never really got into. I heard good things my mom's big into it.
0: It's, uh, It's really, really addictive. Once you get past the opening of it, which is the hardest part because they try to cram too much stuff in there. Yeah. And it takes so long for character development. But after it gets going... Man, it is nonstop it it is very well done, and you know it's got the controversial ending to all of it but uh that's that's one series that I actually enjoyed going all the way through. It was great
2: well I'll have to um I'll, I'll have to give it another try when I get an opportunity of course, we got like a, a zillion movies to do, so <laughs> it might be a while um you know like oh, how about farscape?
0: Farscape's great.
2: Uh, Farscape's a, a great little show. I, I I like some of the things they did with it. You know, similarly like like when they took a task force of the aliens that they had had problems with in the past to take with them on a on a a siege of the enemy ship. It, it was great. And then the fact that that the uh, aliens that they found were willing to help them because they were all kind of substandard. One of them was really old, and the other one really couldn't track. It's just, it had a lot of nuances that made it a great little show, you yep. know, that made it interesting and fun.
0: Here's 1970s and 1980s Dario Argento movies.
2: The The ones I'm I'm sure that there are many I'm unfamiliar with, but all the ones I've seen I enjoy. De- definitely his trilogy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but man, you know, Deep Red, come on. Deep Red. Deep <laughs> Red. I forced is.
2: so many people to watch Deep Red.
0: I remember you, uh, I think you said you uh, took the movie home and made Lois just watch the very beginning where it just shows, you know, the, 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 the song. Yeah. And you just let her watch that beginning. You said, <laughs> and you just stopped it and said, what do you think about that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, yeah, you got to find out.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, I mean. You know, the the animal trilogy he started off with, uh were all great. But really started hitting the stride with with, you know, Deep Red, Tenebrae, Suspiria. Oh man, I'm all about some Argento. So uh Yeah, I love the Italian horror stuff. That's that's my forte, basically. Love all that stuff. So I'm just I'm just calling out the Argento stuff now, but Sergio Martino fulci all those guys man Uh, that's that's the stuff i love bava bava's incredible so uh yeah italian horror giallos i love
2: yeah and and i never would have been familiar with it if it hadn't been for you and i'm thankful for that because it's a different take on it than american horror by a long shot um not that they didn't start taking from it
0: yeah, I mean, that's the thing is everything we see that is a whodunit kind of movie that we make is just basically a ripoff of, of a giallo. So uh, even Scream is a giallo. Yeah. So Carpenter even said, you know, when he made Halloween, he tried to come up with music that was similar to the theme that was in Deep Red.
2: And we all know how popular that theme is. Yeah. I had something a minute ago, and then it went away. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's it's not a problem. It's just spitballing now. So
0: Roger Corman.
2: Not a huge fan of Roger Corman <laughs> or Full Moon Pictures, for that matter. I mean,
0: yeah, man, those those are kind of hard to. they kind of. I, I put with. them
2: in the same category. They, they're both kind of pretty close. I think about Zack Snyder.
0: Yeah, sure. Why not?
2: I mean, Zack Snyder directed about uh, three hundred. Yep. Watchmen. The new Superman.
0: Well, I'm not going to comment on that.
2: I, I think DC has has managed to take things just too far.
0: Too serious.
2: Even even with Zack Snyder, who who's obviously a talented director, they've yeah. just taken it to a point where it's hard for him to pull it out of that tailspin.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's you know I'm not really looking forward to the to the new Batman versus Superman movie. I'll still go see it, I guess, but. I don't know man uh, just too dark you know I want my superheroes to be super not brooding yeah, the, you know emo kids
2: the thing that pulled them out when they were losing to Marvel was kind of that they made all their characters into iconic pillars of the universe you know they were all infallible and their their strengths were very strong and their and their limits were very weakening and Marvel, on the other hand, was making everything more slice-of-life and, and reality-based. And so it managed to pull DC to the point where people really liked their noir feel. You know, that everything was kind of a, a dark and stormy night, you know, with a beacon of light. Yeah. But it's flipped now, where, you know, Marvel's reality-based thing is, is, is resonating with people, and, and DC's almost like it's untouchable, so it's not really enjoyable.
0: Then hopefully, you know... Maybe good things will come out of this. I don't know. I haven't... I don't know, man. I just... I'm not feeling it. It just didn't do it for me. I think he's a great director. I'm not taking that away from him at all.
2: No, I was just wondering.
0: No, I think he's great. How about this one for you? Iron frickin' Maiden.
2: (laughs) Iron Maiden? Well... Yeah. I mean, how can you even argue that that Iron Maiden... Iron Maiden is Iron Maiden.
0: I'm an old metalhead, so... You know, main. when
2: you're talking about eight or nine minute long songs with guitar riffs and and, and high wailing, that's right. And you know that might sound awful, but they, they make it work.
0: Yep, they're no bolt thrower by any means.
2: Who is? <laughs> the answer is bolt thrower.
0: Yeah, they're the only bolt thrower that I know of. Iron Maiden. I mean, that's I, I, I remember not caring for them much back in the day. But as I've grown musically and stuff, I realized how great musicians they really are. So, uh, yeah, I enjoy The Maiden.
2: What about Bruce Dickinson's uh, solo album?
0: Oh, Chemical Wedding.
2: Chemical Wedding?
0: Is great.
2: I almost like it more than than I like Iron
1: Maiden. Uh,
0: You know what? I I about have to agree with you. Yep, it is a fantastic record. Which has one of the members from Iron Maiden playing on there, so that helps. Is yeah. it
2: Eddie?
0: <laughs> no, it was Adrian, Bruce Dickinson.
2: Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> All right, I, I I got nothing left, Chickadee. What do you want to do?
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. We did an hour.
2: <laughs> I figured it would end up being that way once we started rolling.
0: Yeah. Uh, G versus E.
2: G versus E. Well, there's another one from the time that we were together that we discovered at the same time. That, this show's awesome. It was cut off in its prime.
0: Yep. I think that's it one could have done so much more. People should revisit it. I wish they were to release it on Blu-ray or DVD or something. Really hard to find. Great series. Uh, basically, people who's been killed and brought back to kill demons that are roaming free on the Earth. So... uh just a cool idea. Yeah, demons
2: who have little little rubber horns that are, you know, taped to their head. Yeah. You know, bad effects. But yeah, the effects are not really great,
0: but the storyline is kicking.
2: Yeah, it's snappy dialogue, great actors in it. Deacon Jones.
0: Yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> the cut up.
2: Now I use it to cut up Morlocks.
0: <laughs> Morlocks. That's what it was.
2: Yeah, I looked up the Paint Brothers after I noticed G versus E on, on um on our original list. And uh, both of them are still working in TV. One of them is a producer of that, that show Blood and Oil, and yep. they've written several episodes of different shows. They're, they're still active, which is good, because the the Pate brothers, by the way, the uh, the directors of the G vs. Z series.
0: How about uh, John Hughes films?
2: I like John Hughes films. Heck I mean, yeah. I'm from the 80s. Yeah,
0: so we got several of those fired. that are going to be on the list. Weird Science.
2: I mean, the thing about the breakfast club or or pretty in pink or or even weird science is weird science might have to make it on there just cuz it fits so closely to our genres but all those movies don't need defending and it's because they still yeah. people still like them now
0: timeless classics Ferris Bueller never get tired of it
2: i was just talking with somebody about Ferris Bueller yesterday because there's a uh, a smith song that's uh that's just an instrumental that's in the museum scene oh yeah and uh, and he was like, I've heard this this bridge before, and he had to he had to extract it and find it, and uh, you know, it turned out it was a, it was just an instrumental of a Smith song that he was like, you know, it really benefited from not having Morrissey.
0: Huh.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a big Morrissey fan. I, I mean, yep. If I ever just want to be really depressed, I just sit down and listen to a whole album that Morrissey is singing.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of what he's known for. Oh yeah. Uh, so, I, so again, folks. There's the difference. You got Morrissey and Cindy Lauper over there, and you've got Kiss Queen and Iron Maiden on this side. So that's that's where we meet and greet, man. Which, we, but we both like that stuff too. So it's kind of a weird. Uh, we're, we're just kind of open to whatever, really. So
2: yeah, I think that's the the thing is that it's an open mind kind of thing. Yeah, I, I never said, well, I don't like what you like, and right. he never said I don't like what you like. We just. So what do you like about it? And
0: Maybe maybe Last Action Hero.
2: <laughs> last Action Hero, man. That's, <laughs> uh, that's really my best argument. Have that, to re- uh, be I'll fun. have to
0: revisit it, I guess, and, and see what the hype is.
2: I, I might have to revisit it and find out if I'm wrong.
0: <laughs> it's like the argument you had about the movie Necronomicon, too. So, w- Was I wrong about that? Uh, well, big fish dude with the hat with the book.
2: Yeah, I remember that being my argument. The big fish dude with the hat was cool. And I thought we agreed when we saw him that he was cool.
0: Yeah, okay. Maybe so. So, yeah, some of this, that's what's going to be fun about this as we go along, is we've got to rediscover some things, too. Because you know how it is when you think back and go, oh, man, that was awesome. Then you go back and watch it and go, yeah, what was I thinking? So, uh,. So this is just as much fun for us too getting to revisit this stuff and and uh hopefully we're getting to the good stuff first and then we'll start getting into some the down and dirty stuff as we go.
2: Right? And and as people have decided that they like us, they might suffer with us when we get through all that. we 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 hook you with the good movies that's and right. then we Drag you we through the have dirt. you for the bad.
0: <laughs> all right, that's all I got.
1: in old england a force awakens again two the bounce is back with twice the jack She was done with love, he was lost and alone. This little cottage in the countryside was just what the love doctor ordered. If he could survive the crazy fits of her broken heart, and she could handle his snoring. Once they're done with that, they just have one last thing. That jumping madman hiding in the attic. spring heel Jack 2. They'll find out that the bounce is back with twice the jack.
0: Well, you get to know a little bit about us. Hey, get on Facebook page if you want to do a top ten list of your favorite stuff. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be books, music. Dances, you name it. You guys, just tell me if, you, if you're a, if you like cows. List your ten favorite cows.
2: Yeah, in order, which are your favorite caribers and why?
0: There you go. What about the Snorks?
2: What about the Snorks? Were they were there <laughs> different Snorks like the Smurfs, or were they all just the same Snork well, over there, and over again?
0: They were different colors.
2: Yeah, well, that's the way it is all over the world.
0: <laughs> all right, I guess for that we'll sign out. We'll see you guys next time. Adios.
2: I'll <laughs> Zane.